Welcome to Movies Charles Hasn't Seen, episode 78. My name is Crossman. I'm Wilson. And I'm Charles. And each week, Wilson and I share a classic movie we have seen with Charles that he has not seen. This week, we watched the 1997 movie Princess Mononoke. So, Charles, tell us about it. Okay, so a village gets attacked by a cursed boar god from the forest, uh, and a boy, a skilled boy from the village manages to kill the boar, um, but in the process gets hit with the curse and will eventually die if it's not treated. So he is told that he has to venture deep into the west, uh, I believe it's to the west, uh, into the forest to try to find the deer god uh, who can maybe lift the curse from him and spare his life. He travels out and ends up discovering an iron-making town that is constantly at war with nature. So he gets kind of caught up in this <coughs> war between mankind and nature. He does eventually discover the deer god, and he also runs into Princess Mononoke herself, who is like a wild woman who is allied with the wolves. And eventually, it culminates with a big battle. Uh, a bunch of humans are trying to kill the deer god, and they cut off the deer god's head, but it becomes this gigantic monster terrorizing the landscape. But they return its head to it, and it like goes back to being peaceful again, and restores the landscape, and uh, everything becomes happy again in the end. I think. Yeah, that's actually a really good summary of a, kind of a convoluted movie. We should also note this is animated. It's, uh, so <laughs> it is an animated movie. It is an animated. It movie. is a very convoluted movie. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of stuff going on here. I find um, that that happens a lot with Japanese movies, and especially Studio Ghibli films. <coughs> yeah, I think you're right. Like. I saw Howl's Moving Castle, and I could not tell you what that movie was about. I don't remember. Um, I just kind of lost it almost immediately after watching it. <laughs> yeah, it's been a little while, little while since I've seen that one, so I certainly couldn't tell you either. Um, but even the famous ones, like this one and Spirited Away, are the two most well-known movies, are not easy to summarize. Like There's yeah. a lot of stuff. Um, but this was a community selection, and the reason we chose it as a group is because it was playing in theaters. So Charles and I had the uh, yep. chance to see it at the Studio Ghibli Fest that I think they do every year in uh, at the City Cinema in the East Village. Yeah. Um, we also had a copy on Blu-ray for Crossman to watch, Blu-ray yep. DVD for Crossman to watch, because uh, it's not available on streaming anywhere. Yep. Um, so Nor is any Studio Ghibli yeah, just, movie. Yeah, they do the Disney thing. I think Disney does the same thing where nothing is streamed. They have a vault. Yeah, they have a vault. <laughs> this is a Ghibli vault. Um, yep. And so we're not telling Disney you... Disney only they protects open. its old animated yeah. films. But like Pixar films and like the live action Disney films are just like on Netflix. They're, they're out there. Until yeah. Disney launches its own Netflix competitor. <clears throat> Any day now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we're not telling you to go pirate this movie if you haven't seen it, but it's it not may be available the only way for to, streaming. Maybe <laughs> the only way to see it. <laughs> yeah, maybe yeah. the only option. Um, so we, yeah, we saw it in the, Charles and I saw it in the theater with a full house, um, and I had never seen a Ghibli movie in the theater before, and it was cool. I yeah, did. I don't think I was able to catch one in theaters either. I've seen a lot of them, so that's why I wanted to see Mononoke, um, because it's often picked as people's favorites alongside Spirited Away, and it just feels like a big omission. It is a beloved film. Yes. Yeah, yeah people love this movie. Yeah, which is why I felt comfortable picking it, even if there was no mm -hmm. um, streaming service available, because many people have seen it, and yeah. yeah, it's super popular. What'd you think of it? Do you like it? 
I quite enjoyed it. Uh, okay. I don't think it lived up to the hype of it being like half of everybody's favorite Ghibli movie. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't think it was quite up to that level. My favorite Ghibli movie is not often mentioned, but it's Porco Rosso, actually. I quite loved that one. No, people but, do like that one a lot. Yeah, that, that seems like a deep cut to me. To yeah, be, like, before, no, really before like I watched it, it okay. I felt like I hadn't heard of it, but... <laughs> It, or oh, like it among Ghibli me. fans, people really okay. like Porco Rosso. R right. Well, right. to me, it seems like a really even split between this movie and Spirited Away. Totoro, yeah. Totoro's up and there. yeah, right, yeah. Totoro, people like a lot. For me, it's Spirited Away. That's my favorite. But I like this movie a lot too. Right. Um, but that being said, I still quite like this movie. Uh, one thing that I find strange about Ghibli movies is they have a different pacing uh, from what I expect in Western movies. Um, so. You know, it's not afraid to be much slower, and they're not always just building toward like one climactic thing, um, which is strange to me, I guess, because I expect movies to flow a certain way since I've been trained to watch them a certain way, um, and that's always been a little distracting uh, or disorienting when I watch Ghibli movies, and that was definitely uh, true of Princess Mononoke. Um, but an advantage of the movie being so slow was that it felt extremely immersive because it, it just really felt like I was kind of becoming one with the world that the movie was creating, which is very important because it has the major theme of like the conflict between mankind and nature, right? And it felt like I was really, you know, drawn into the world that they created because it spent the time to kind of stop and literally look at the trees. Yeah, no, I think you're absolutely right. Like this movie flows differently. Like it feels like it has multiple climaxes and then it, it comes down a little bit and then comes back up. Yeah. Um, and it, it's not conventional Western storytelling, that's for sure, even though they're very popular in the West. Yeah. Um, what do you think of this one? When's the last time you saw it? Probably like five, ten years ago. Yeah, it, was, it had been a while for me too. Um, so there's a lot of details I had forgotten. Yeah, I uh, had gone on like a string of like watching a few Ghibli films just to like fill in my yeah, catalog. There's of, a lot. Yeah, there are a lot. <laughs> yeah, I don't lot. think I made it very deep into the catalog, yeah. actually, because um, I still have some pretty gl glaring gaps in my studio. Me too, honestly. Ghibli knowledge. Mm -hmm. um, but it's this is a this is a great film. <laughs> There's a lot going on. <laughs> yeah. uh, let's I mean let's start with the look of it because I think that's the most immediately arresting thing um, that this movie is in the Ghibli style, um, but. It's more, it's, it's certainly more violent than most of the movies they make. Yeah, I yeah. was yeah. very surprised by how gory it was. I did not expect that. <laughs> yeah, they, very. they give it to you almost immediately. Yeah, and for a lot of people, this is their introduction to the studio and their introduction to Miyazaki. So it, there are if, multiple characters that puke blood. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yeah, which yeah. is not. I mean, that happens in Spirited Away too. Although it's not blood, it's like sludge. But there's multiple dismemberments and yes. beheadings. Um, yeah. A lot of growths on people's bodies and stuff like that. Yeah, it's got um, some. It was almost Akira-like body horror. Yes, yes. Yeah. It, I, I recall Akira as well. Um, the, some interesting and uh, sometimes disturbing visual choices yeah. <laughs> in this movie. Uh, yeah, very. Um, it's interesting because like the creatures in the film are mythical, but there's only one sort of like fantastic creature otherwise the creatures are just kind of like outsized yes so you have like a boar that's like the size Only of a big. house yeah yeah and same yeah. with the wolf so yeah. it's an interesting choice because it's like there are magical things that are happening but they're they're surprisingly normal looking as well Where yeah it's just like it's just like a big dog like <laughs> more, <laughs> yeah. more so than it is like 
Um, a dog with a bunch of heads. Yeah, like we're not in like another universe, right? There's like a grounding to the yeah. fantastic Although I think nature of the animals. They're from yeah. like the Japanese, uh, what's the word? Like myth. Like, yeah, myth. Yeah, I'm um, yeah. Because like, I saw a lot of similarities with uh, Zelda Breath of the Wild. Sure, yeah, one. actually that's true. Yeah. In yeah. the aesthetic of this one. Like those little little ghosts that mm -hmm. make the little clicking sounds, right? They're basically exactly like the Koroks in Breath of the Wild, even down to the sound effects and yeah. like the way they yeah, acted and in that kind of thing. You'll yeah, see they have like a rattle noise. Yeah, exactly. Them. It was just exactly yeah. the same. Yeah, and that must be drawing on Japanese myth because I've seen that figure in other JRPGs and yeah. other anime. Like that small forest sprite that makes weird clicking noises. Like, that's a thing. Right. <laughs> and it shows up in multiple. Right, uh, but I mean, I, I guess it's like, you know, fairies for us. It's like yeah. just a trope that comes up repeatedly that... So, like, that's another thing that makes the Ghibli films feel a little more foreign is because they draw from a different uh, lore, mm -hmm. right? So, like, for us, we're so familiar with things like fairies and dragons and that kind of thing that we don't have to really think about it. They're just on screen. We know exactly what they mean. Um, but all these, like, Japanese archetypes um, feel more different. So you're not exactly sure what they represent necessarily or what they... Um, could be or you know things there's, like that. There's a shorthand we lack. Yeah, exactly. That's yeah, right. yeah. I, I think that there's there's probably something that those characters are would elicit in a Japanese audience yeah. that we fail to. So grasp. I watched I watched this with dubs. Yeah, um, weird choice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I, I watched two Billy Bob Thornton movies in yeah. a row because of that. Who is he in this one? He's one of the I don't know. Just don't one know, of the actually. like dudes like the in the fat village. Mercenary dude. I couldn't tell you. I'm okay. sorry. Okay, that's uh, fine. That's fine. Yeah. <laughs> um, but one thing about the 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 creatures in the film is that when they talk, their voices don't line up with their mouths, and I don't think that's because of the English to Japanese dub. I think that's done on purpose. In that, like, there's a they're almost talking in a way that like. The their voices is, is not emanating from their mouths, but rather there's it's like a force that's like coming out of the creature that you you hear. So you may not be hearing sound per se, but rather like telepathically. Yeah, like a, there's a telekinetic or telepathic way that they're speaking. Yeah, well, especially with the animal characters. Yeah, that yeah, yeah. that's that's what I mean. Okay, that, like when you hear animal characters talking to human characters, the film seems to be implying that they're. It is not sound that they are hearing, but rather it is like something a, a feeling or some connection that they have with the with the creatures. Yeah, so something yeah. exceptional, like some, something yeah. extra extraordinary. Yeah, um, and yeah, I noted that as well. That because mm -hmm. Charles and I watched it subtitled, um, and yeah, you're right. The, even hearing the Japanese sounds coming out, it was not syncing up with the wolf talking or the boar talking or whatever it is. So yeah, that's a good, yeah. that's a good catch because I had not made that specific connection. Yeah, the other thing that's interesting about the film is, and, and this seems like very intrinsic to the film and it's probably a part of the mythology that the film is drawing on is that the, the like evil spirits that we see in this film are not evil in like a Christian or Catholic sense. Yeah. So it's not like uh, there's like a demon who's just like purely evil and they're, they're, it's always been evil. There's like an eternal nature of the mm -hmm. evil to like a demon that we see 
in films about like possession, where it's just like, oh, it's just this evil force. Yeah. Well, and there's and there, there's no Lucifer story where there's some grand sin at the core of this person that casts them down. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, whereas like the the demons that we see uh, in this film, it's they're not necessarily evil. They're often just like angry or they've been wronged and that's why they're a demon. Mm -hmm. It's Yeah, I so did notice that. It's not like inherent to their character. It's like they have motivation for their their darkness. Yeah. And well, that is as coming from like being used to uh, the sort of Christian or Catholic mythology mm -hmm. is very confusing yeah. when you first watch <laughs> this film. That's fair. Because yeah. you're like you see this like evil creature and you're like kill it Holy, yeah like yeah you need to destroy <laughs> this creature and that that turns out to be the incorrect move in this film yeah well and i think yeah. they that the grand power and goodness not necessarily goodness but the salvation for these yeah. people is this dear god character that is pitched as something that's neutral yeah right like it's mm -hmm. not a god in the sense of jehovah it's you, you see it like when it loses its head and it becomes, you know, this giant, you know, amorphous blob type thing, that it is destroying the nature and drawing life from things and leaving them dead in the same way that the demon was, and it's using the same imagery and the same style of of destruction, and that is interesting. That like the the power to save and the power to destroy everything are contained within the same being. Yeah. And that it unleashes the power to destroy when it has a reason to, like you were saying. Yeah. I yeah. mean, both the God and the curses in the movie, as well as like the major theme in the movie, are related to nature. Mm -hmm. um, so I think it's just the difference in religious values in Japan, right? It's more about their harmony with nature and with the universe. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, and even the the great the closest thing you can call evil in this movie is that that iron village that is, you know, leveling the forest and things like yeah. that. But that same village They're disturbing is, the balance between man and nature. Right. But that same village is also taking in the sick. It's also giving jobs to a bunch of people. It's also providing protection for all these folks that no other place wants to take in. Right. It, it's pretty clear. They, they give their women opportunities. Right. Yeah. There, there's a there's a female leader there. It's pretty clear that those people in the bandages are probably have leprosy or something approaching leprosy and are rejected by every other place. So even there, there's like it's not crystal clear that these are the bad guys. And I think the end of the movie bears that out where you see something approaching understanding and salvation for the characters that really were the most wicked throughout the movie. That is something else that um, I found very different about Ghibli films. It's, it's not very clear like the good or bad. Mm -hmm. They don't have that sense of morality I guess. Yeah, you see it in Spirited Away very clearly, right? Where the, the no-name character really just has to be shown some level of compassion and understanding in order to be saved. It doesn't have to be overpowered. Right, and, and and destroyed, yeah, um, yeah, which is a yeah a theme you see throughout these these films. Yeah, it, it was really highlighted by the um, the sort of Boer army mm -hmm. who um, have been provoked by the humans to attack, and Princess Mononoke tries to reason with the leader of the Boers, and he he's just infuriated, so he's. You know, leading his army into a battle, and yeah. it's like, it's not like a. This is a. In in like a traditionally animated film, this would be a character that we would want to like align with and see as a good character. But we see him 
because he's so infuriated, he's unable to control his anger and does this terrible thing and, and sacrifices his his kind. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're right that this is like, is this a good character? Is this a bad character? There's it's there's a complexity to it where it's just like, there's no good or bad character in this film other than our main hero who is good. Is good. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and does the, like very good things. The yeah. samurai and the Japanese Empire are the bad guys. They seem pretty clearly the bad guys. Like right? the, the priest the guy. The shogunate. That, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. like the shogun yeah. is who orders to get the head of the deer god, and that's why they try to kill it. Yeah, yeah. that's true. And, and but even like the people working for him like find this salvation at the end of the film. Like they realize that they had done wrong, and. Which, and Work to correct it. Yeah, my Japanese history is like pretty loose, but my understanding is that like the samurai were kind of these like thuggish characters. That is what I understand as well. Yeah, and they they were pretty bad. Yeah, well, or, and yeah. Or often just mercenaries, right? Yeah, like, yeah samurai yeah. just meant mercenary. It's the guy that is a paid soldier, and so yes. Although, it's, speaking of historical context, apparently this movie was inspired by the the war in Yugoslavia. That yeah. is yes, like that. That this was meant to be a an anti-war film, and and I I think I can see it there. Like that, that uh, Miyazaki is on the record. Do you saying think that. Clinton saw this film and then <laughs> and then changed his Bob way. Serbia is like, <laughs> <laughs> let's all show him. I have to kill the evil boars. <laughs> totally misunderstood, Princess Mononoke. Um, but I think it's here. I think that there's this anti-violence message to the movie because the the thing that corrupts the boar at the beginning of the film that sends it after this village is a bullet, right? It was yeah. shot by this iron bullet and that's what they find at the core of this boar that and that resulted in its death. And the, our lead character, who we follow the whole time, is corrupted by an act of violence, right? He shoots the boar with his arrow to kill it and then he gains this curse on his arm yeah. that, that he has to spend the rest of the movie overpowering. And I think that that is... Um, Really, a, a driving theme in this film is, is anti-war and anti-violence. Uh, it it orients the characters and and what moves them. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's it's a complex film. It's it's <laughs> a very challenging film. Yeah. yeah. Um, the other the, one thing that is good about the film is the characters will vocalize why they're doing the things that they're doing. And that actually helps a lot because this yeah. is a very complex story. And so when, even when he, the main character like confronts the boar demon mm-hmm. at the beginning of the film, the <coughs> demon says why he is a demon, which is, yeah. he's been wronged by yep. the humans and, yeah. and as such, like he's doing this act. And him explaining that it, is very helpful because the movie would be <laughs> Nonsense without the characters like really explaining their motivations very yeah. clearly because because yeah. it, it, yeah. it's not just a two sides movie, right? It's there's so many things because you have yeah. like this village that's encroaching. It's, it's Tolkien esque in, yeah. in the number yeah. of factions. Yeah, yeah. Although apparently Miyazaki again on the record is saying that he drew inspiration from John Ford when he made this movie. He he was trying to conceptualize this huh. village that is on the cusp of the wilderness yeah. and moving into this unknown space and trying to dominate it as this human force in a place where they are unwelcome 
and having to beat back the na nature in order to control this space. I mean, there's always the parallels between samurai and, and cowboy stories. Yeah, and, and he that's what he was, he was looking at movies like, well, like we've seen like The Searchers, but also Dar My Darling Clementine and um, Stagecoach and things like that. He was drawing specifically from old John Ford movies. And that I did not see that when I first watched the movie, but it makes perfect sense now that I, uh, for in my research for the for this episode, um, so I think you see many, many themes in this movie. It's it's rich in that sense. Yeah, yeah. It's it's very clearly an environmental. Film yeah, as well. absolutely. Uh, that's <laughs> yeah. like that's the, a pretty consistent theme in Ghibli movies. I think. Yes. Just the harmony with nature. Yes, you're, and, you're absolutely right, and I think it, yeah. it, it, that is really the A theme here. I think that that is the primary driver. Yeah, that by like destroying nature, you're like destroying yourself, and yeah, you're you are participating in a war. Yeah, well, yeah. and that that nature is a neutral force. Uh, nature is something that isn't interested in your necessarily interested in your salvation or your destruction, but it is uh, necessary for your survival. Yeah, nonetheless, and. Nature in the sense that, like, the plants and vegetation seem to be just, like, sort of neutral actors. The creatures do seem to yeah. have, uh, like, political motivations. Right, but, the, yeah. like, the deer god figure, which is really the embodiment of nature in this yes. film, does not. Yeah. Right? Like they call it, like, the forest god. The forest, that. yeah, you're right, the forest god. and It represents life and death. Yeah, it's interested in assembling itself again when it has been dismembered. Yeah. But other than that, it isn't really necessarily moved one way or the other throughout the film. Um, although I, I still get a kick out of the form that the deer god and nature god takes where like they shoot it from behind so it just looks like a deer and then it turns to face you and it's just like this smiley guy. It's just got a head, yeah. <laughs> well, it looks like it's wearing a mask. Right, yeah. yeah. And it's like... It's just funny how stubby the head is. Yeah, yeah. Like, even in our audience of probably people who have seen it many times there are some chuckles. Yeah, because it, it's, it, it's surprising um, but and it's and a little off-putting, but it's so friendly it's that it's okay. <laughs> it's like chimera-like too. Yeah, yeah. It, it has bird-like feet and like its antlers seem like branches. Right. Well, yeah. and the antlers has a of human a face. mask face. Yeah. Yeah. Only yeah. 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 the antlers don't behave like normal deer antlers. They're yeah. like all springing from like the middle of its head yes. and like one big bunch instead of two larger, you know, yeah. antlers. Um, and so yeah, it's a, it, it, very classically designed in that sense, yeah. where it's like off kind of off-putting but also very welcoming yeah. <laughs> and like it, it, they ride that line really well um, the same thing with like the little spirit forest spirits right they're a little right. bit off-putting but they're, also like really sweet they're kind of like zombies yeah yeah right? and they like turn their head in unnatural angle almost all the way around but, but they don't <laughs> seem to have like intention or malice or, they're just kind of yeah. there yeah. yeah yeah whereas i think you see i mean you compare them to like fairies in western myth and I think that's an apt comparison where fairies are often mischievous, right? They're, they're, yeah. they're framed as, as trying to trick you or trying to get something from you, mm -hmm. and that's not present here at all. There, there's none of that. They're only interested in net protecting this space, but only loosely <laughs> there, too. So, yeah, it's interesting decisions all around. <laughs> Very weird. Yeah. Well, uh, what do we, so uh, Ghibli has a look. Right, and, anim and an animation style, especially in their character models. Um, but this movie features landscapes a lot, I think. And I think that there's a lot of very good art in terms of, it's very clearly hand-drawn art mm -hmm. in terms of just the forests and these rivers and the, the mountainsides and things like that. Um, and just yep. how, did, how did that 
aspect of the film strike you guys? Um, I mean, it's certainly very beautiful. It didn't seem as striking as some of the vistas I've seen in previous Ghibli movies. I think it was a little more realistic in its depiction of, of like the actual landscape That's versus true. the creatures. Um, but in that respect, it makes it a little more plain. Mm-hmm. Well, I would say yes, except for when they're in that like flooded forest, mm-hmm. and that's like a really like interesting landscape because it's essentially like a series of ponds, and there are like these trees growing up out of the ponds, and it's like yeah. it's very um, it's amazing to look at for sure. But I, I think I agree with you. Like out, outside of that, the the space seems a lot more plain, but I think that right, and the color palette is less lively than I'm used to seeing. Yeah, there's a muted quality to it. But I think that's meant to make this like forest area seem all the more fantastic. Right, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I think that Miyazaki was interested in grounding this story. Yeah, right. Like he's not making Spirited Away here, where it's this fantastical world and all sorts of crazy shit's going on all the time. He wanted this to really be more serious, I think, and he wanted it to not. He, he didn't want to charm the audience here. I don't think that, that that's the goal of this movie because it, it's not charming in the same way that many, most, or even all other Studio Ghibli movies are. This movie is arresting, um, but it doesn't have that same, you know, happiness to it. Yeah, I guess when I think about it, it has yeah. a very del Toro feel to it. Sure. Because it's imaginative, but there's also something kind of scary about it. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, you have, you know, blood worms sprouting out of yeah. bars and shit. Like, yeah, that's, there, there's almost a horror-esque quality yeah, to exactly. that sequence. Um, and I, I think that it's important that he made that choice and that it, even in his other movies where you have something being expelled from the character's body, which he goes to that well a lot, it doesn't look quite as horrifying as it does here. In the dubs, the voices aren't as threatening, but I remember in the original Japanese version, the, mm-hmm. the voices of the boars in particular felt very like ominous or threatening. Oh, yeah. There's a gravity like, to there's it. There's a very like oh, low yeah. register to it. Yes, they, yeah. they have a rumble, yeah. right? Yep. They, yeah, there's a... That did not come through in the dubs. Oh, okay. Oh, no. Yeah. Bummer. <laughs> yeah. Missed out. Because, um, yeah, the dub cast, they got kind of an all-star cast together. They always do. Yeah. So yeah. It's always like just A actor, A actor, A actor. Yeah, because uh, Billy Bob Thornton is in there, but Billy Crudup... Um, um, Mini Driver. Mini Driver, who was a big deal at the time. She was just coming off Goodwill Hunting. Yep. Um, and somebody else, uh, Claire Danes, is yeah. there too, right? Yes. Yeah, anyway, who was just finishing up with My So Called Life. It was a great show. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, there's names here. And, yeah, that, I think that speaks to. I think you just cash like a giant check and, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, and the, the script was localized by Neil Gaiman. That's hmm. the, yeah, so the, the author that they brought into, like, explain in English some of the more specific Japanese things. That's what it was. Heikaku means plan. <laughs> okay, uh. say it like that. <laughs> uh, so I don't know if he actually speaks Japanese, but apparently he did brush up this script for English-speaking audiences. Right, some of the ideas do have to be translated over, I think. Yeah, like one, of the ones I, thing. one of the ones I read about was that when they're e- towards the beginning of the movie when they're eating uh, the soup, and one character remarks um, that in the original Japanese remarked that the soup tastes like water. And apparently in Japan, that is a very biting insult, that if you compare the soup or meal to water, that that is very bad. But in English, it isn't really that strong. Um, so the 
Gaiman changed it to donkey piss, <laughs> which <laughs> is obviously much so you have to capture the intensity of it, yes. the exact meaning of <laughs> exactly, it. Exactly, exactly. Which is you know the trick with translation in general. Yeah. Um, but I thought good. that was an interesting point. Um, so yeah, he he was the guy, and I think I can see the parallels between Gaiman's work and and Miyazaki's. Right? Like they have a, a similar fantastical, childlike quality to them yeah. um, that are still grounded in this you know, horror, fantastical elements. Um, yeah. I mean, th uh, it's returning to the animation style, uh, the other thing that we had mentioned earlier, but I think that bears repeating, is that the, the character models in Ghibli movies are simplistic, but still evocative of this specific studio, and that is a tough thing to do, mm -hmm. right? Like, you, you look at these people in the movie and it's immediately apparent that this is a Miyazaki creation yep. but there's still you know simple lines primary colors you know there's not a lot of they're not Final Fantasy characters with crazy shit all over on spike <laughs> hair yeah no, no spike right. hair none of that no, no even crazy colored hair um, and that I think speaks to the the subtlety of Miyazaki's talent that he can have that consistent style throughout his work yep. that is still very simple and Grounded and plausible. So I don't. I don't know much about Studio Ghibli. Uh, mm -hmm. I don't know even know how to say it. I've, I think I'm, it's Ghibli, right? I don't know. I have no idea. I've I, always said Ghibli, but yeah, I, I said know. Ghibli because you said know. Ghibli. Yeah, <laughs> I don't yeah. know. I'm, see, I'm not even confident <laughs> in the name. Okay. Uh, I don't. I don't know anything about how they run themselves as a studio, other than Miyazaki is kind of the soul of the of the yeah of the He's their studio. Um, in the Disney system. When Disney was still alive, obviously everything focused around him. Mm -hmm. But he also had a core group of animators who were the like the key talent. So they the it, it was like eight or twelve guys, and they were called like the ex old men, sure. like that. And eight um, old men, yeah. and um, they they were the ones that did all the the keyframes of the movies. And interesting. Th they were all like very consistent in their style, and you know, so so they're the ones that are setting the look of every single movie. Because whenever there's like a change in the action or, or movement of a character, they're they're the ones drawing those frames. And then the That's industrialized nature of this, there's uh -huh. a bunch of other people that kind of like fill in the yeah. gaps between like those like the, the tweeners. The, the, yeah, yeah, um, but having those eight to 12 guys do everything is important because it gives you a very consistent animation style. So That's interesting. You know, e even moving up into the 2000s, Disney movies have a look to them that looks the same Yeah, uh, throughout all of them. And um, I know that, that yeah. this movie was mostly hand-drawn. Like it was 97, yeah. so they had the option of, like this is supposed to So it would have been pretty new. Yeah, it would have been yeah. new, but they would have had the, had the option to yeah use more computer animation if they wanted to and they didn't like this is there's some computer animation but you can just look at it it's mostly all mm -hmm. yeah. on. I think the one moment that they really use computer animation there's like a there's a scene where you see the kind of the trees from a distance and you're like mm -hmm. moving towards them and the way that they move would be very challenging to draw okay by hand I think I know what you're talking about um, and it looks amazing right and that, uh, but it would be it would be very challenging to do mm -hmm. that without a computer. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So yeah, I think I, I know the scene you're talking about, but yeah, yeah that might be the even the only sequence. Uh, there there might have been some computers when they have the the nature god, like running rampant. 
Yeah. Um, but Computers are usually, yeah, so like dimensional movement is usually in 2D films what they're used to like fill in and like yeah. liquids are very hard to draw and so yes. computers are usually used to assist that so as yeah, well. That, that was my suspicion. Yeah. That because, <clears throat> because it was a liquid being. Yeah. Uh, they would do it. So I wouldn't be surprised if there was some assist there. But I, I don't know anything about the making of this film. Yeah. But I mean, so. you, you can see it on the screen. Like that it just yeah. looks looks like a person did it. Yeah. yeah. You, you can see when Disney started to use computers because the camera angles are very complex when they start to do sure. it. So I think when they first used one was in Beauty and the Beast. And right. they're in the ballroom and they kind of like spin around the room. Yeah. And traditionally drawn, that would have been basically impossible because yeah. to measure, like, to get the depth right of things spinning and moving in and out is mm -hmm. like really hard. Yeah. Um, and I think that was the first time that like Disney kind of broke down and like used a computer to to do something. Yeah. And uh, in one of their effect. yeah, in one of their premier animated films, Disney was like a leader in computer animation. But the two D films they kept clean for a long time mm -hmm. yeah. yeah well and, and, that, and yeah. that effect in beauty and the beast is amazing right like i, I can picture it very clearly yeah. in my head right now yeah, yeah. and yeah there, there's a reason that that was the first animated movie to ever be nominated for a best picture yeah for and sure yeah yeah it's, it's, it's technically incredible yeah. yeah and still holds up like I, I watched beauty and the beast not that long ago like three years ago four years ago still really a gorgeous movie still still works really well um so yeah, keep computers used tastefully. Yeah. Can add to can add to your uh, your movie. Um, this movie was nominated. F I think it won whatever the Japanese equivalent of the Oscars are. Okay. Um, and I think it was nominated in the United States. It, it, it's like the first foreign animated film to to get a best foreign language Oscar nom or something like that. But there's, it has some claim to fame in that nice. sense as well. Um, so yeah, it was a hit. The folks liked it. Um, and and still do. It's nice that in Japanese theater, it's okay for animated films to like win Best yeah. Picture because it's still a drought here in the U.S., right? Yeah, God, there's been nominations, but nothing is like. Which ones have been nominated besides Beauty and the Beast? Um, there was another one um, recently, right? Was there? I have no no memory of this. I believe you, but. It, I want to say it's Finding Nemo or Toy Story. That would make sense. Yeah, mm. yeah especially Toy Story because that was the first one to do the all computer generated graphics. Yeah, and I could see them wanting to acknowledge that. Um, and there's just the best animated category now yeah. in the Oscars. Yeah, um, which Beauty and the Beast did indeed win, <laughs> unsurprisingly. <laughs> uh, so yeah, but you're right. Like, the, uh, and I think you can see why. Like the. Animation. What's the robot Pixar movie? Wally. -E. Wally. -E. I think Wally -E got it. Uh, oh, you might be right, actually. Hmm. Yeah, and it should have won that year. I love Wally. -E. What did it? What did it lose to? I forget. But Wally -E was, <laughs> was better than whatever garbage that was. Wally -E is a great film. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that might be my favorite Pixar film. Yeah, it's quietly one of their best. I don't know what my favorite is. I don't think it's Wally, -E, but yeah. I'm not sure. Uh, but I think that just in, this is not a novel observation, but. In the West, animation is seen as for children, and that's not necessarily the case 
in in Japan. Well, right? yeah, a movie like this is like this is not a kids movie. Multiple dismemberments. Yeah, yeah. blood yeah. everywhere. Yeah, you should not yeah. take your kids to this. Um, although I think it's still just rated PG. <laughs> like, I'm not positive about that, but it shouldn't be. It like, shouldn't this is, be. This no. is a, shouldn't be. Yeah, this is PG 13 at least. Um, so yeah, and I, I think that that is, I mean, the obvious real reason that we don't see. Uh, animation get the same accolades that the live action film does here and it's not made for adults because it's not made for adults yeah and and that's and really the closest thing we get to is pixar which is why they're sometimes nominated that's yeah cool. even at pixar like they've never made a movie for adults they've made movie, movies that adults can enjoy and can be approached yeah. from an adult perspective but it's still kids first and family films first um, you'd never see something with this kind of violence yeah. coming out of America. The, the closest things are just like movies that have been like digitally rotoscoped, like um, uh, what's the was like the Midnight Express or whatever. The Midnight Express. Oh, the, the, the Polar Express. Polar there we Express. go. <laughs> no, um, uh, yeah, that movie is. I think that's still. A but kid's it's, movie. A, it's a kids movie. Yeah, yeah it's still. A kids I can't movie. think of one. No, thing. no, no. The one that like has Robert Downey Jr. and Keanu Reeves, and it's like uh, based on a Philip K. Dick. A Scanner Darkly. Novel. Scanner Darkly. Oh, yeah. Oh, and there was another one after that. Yes, there um, was. Um, but those are just like digitally rotoscoped. They're not like. Waking Life was before that. Waking Life was the other one. Yeah, that's, yeah. I think that's what you're thinking. But that's yeah, that's still not really. Animation. Yeah, they're just they're just tracing live action. Yeah, yeah which thing. is different. Um, yeah, and you know, there's two. We can think of two examples if we think hard, right? <laughs> like, yeah, and that's, yeah. And that's it. Um, there was the Beowulf movie too. That was like a garbage movie, but. Um, oh yeah, Angelina that was like Jolie was technically all CGI, I guess. Yeah, right. But they had they hired real actors for it. Um, so yeah, there's that. And I guess you could point to like the um, Planet of the Apes movies, which are heavily animated, but still take oh, place. There's still like a live action, yeah. Action movies, yeah. yeah. But the point is that if these are the best examples we can think of, <laughs> like there isn't really at all any culture for adult animation in in the United States. Um, which is a shame, and I think that's why you see so many people that enjoy animation being so obsessed with anime. Yeah, and, and Japanese. Which culture. is funny because there's a lot of like cartoon shows for adults. That's yes, true. that's a good point. Like yeah. Rick and Morty. They're all comedies. Like a mainstream. Yeah, they're all comedies. So. Yeah, BoJack. BoJack Horseman is sometimes a comedy. That's true. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, that show gets fucking dark. <laughs> um, but yeah, you're right. That's a good point. Um, that you see you see him pushing the envelope more on TV with animation, which. Why hasn't that translated to film? It's it expensive. Make sense. Making animated films are really expensive. Yeah. And uh, I guess if you target it for children, then you don't have like the R-rated movie problem of not yeah. selling as many tickets. Yeah, that's a that's a big deal. Yeah, yeah. I mean, because if you take something like with the content equivalent of like Archer, and put it in a movie, that's R. That's a hard R, right? Like there's rampant drug use, nudity, loud swearing. Right, like yeah. you can't just joke <laughs> gets that shit. Um, and so yeah, that is probably why. Um, but yeah, you're right. There's a lot of and, it, and it's been going on for a while. Like people thought of The Simpsons even, even as an adult show back in the '80s when it premiered. Um, they were wrong. It just not like obviously very wholesome and appropriate yeah. for children. But um, but yeah, you look at things like Archer and even Bob's Burgers, South Park. Yeah, I guess South Park is the one studio that actually makes. Purely for adults, I think. Yeah. The South Park movie was an adult movie. Yeah. Like well, a hard I mean, R. And yeah, it, yeah, it was an R-rated movie. It's, they're, uh, it's a America. childish movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it is for adults. Yes. Yeah, like the yeah. intended audience. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. They're, they're, they're the only ones that'll do it. And the South Park Studios is self-financed. Yeah. They don't 
you know, th there's no other studio that's like betting on that's going to make that kind of bet. Well, again, because um, it's branded so closely to. That's the animation style is branded so closely to South Park. Now nothing else looks like that. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, how did this stack up to other anime we've seen? Like, how does uh, we we've now watched two? I guess this is one this even an anime here. movie? You mean animated or anime? Anime. anime. Yeah. Well, it's is animated it anime? and it's Japanese, so I guess we call it anime. Yeah. yeah. What? Wait. How? Why would you question that? Because it doesn't have the stylization of something that I would think of as anime. Interesting. The sort of like. You know, large eyes and small mouth. Yes, <laughs> big eyes. And small the, mouth. the more closer to like the Final Fantasy stylization, right? Where yeah, I think people still think of that as as anime. I, this yeah. is interesting. I've ha I've not encountered this distinction before. I always I, for me, anime just means animation in Japan. Yeah, yeah. I mean, anime fair. does have a look to it, but this is still Japanese animation, which we would I think is what we would call anime. Right. Well, an anime has a lot of different looks to it, right? Because yeah. I think you would call something like Dragon Ball Z anime. No, no one's going to question that, right? Which looks very different than, you know, uh, even like a Naruto or a One Piece, right? Like it, these kind of four kids shows. But everyone would. I think agree that that's anime, mm -hmm. right? Um, and I think that you could just put Miyazaki in a different category of anime, right? Like that he has cultivated this style, but still yep. in this tradition of yeah. of those shows. And and you see anime not just in terms of its animation style, but I think we understand it in terms of its content. And there's plenty of anime that is about how the fantastical enters the real world. And mm -hmm. how they interact, and that is a consistent theme throughout Miyazaki's work, yes. um, and here as well, right? That you have this thing that you have this place that looks like a version of the real world, right? But it's intersecting with myth and lore and the fantastical, um, and Miyazaki has been preoccupied with that idea and with how that idea can teach us something about the real world, which is what he's trying to do here, yep. where it's a, apparently about Yugoslavia, and you have <laughs> things like the wing, Wind Rises, which is about more grounded in reality than this movie, but it's still about the real world and about war again. Yeah. Um, so I think I would still, I, I, I certainly would still think of this as anime, but I'd be interested in what other definitions people have, because I hadn't even yeah, considered true. this idea before. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, I, I'm sure there's a, a history piece on this. Yeah, well, I, I'm I, sure there's millions of nerds on the internet arguing about what counts as anime and what doesn't. For sure, but uh, <laughs> like actual film historians have <laughs> probably that written, count. written about the <laughs> distinction. Yeah. Um, um, so I'd be interested to see if they had. It didn't occur to me until now. Otherwise, I would have researched it. Right. Yeah. yeah. Me, no, me neither, because I just assumed it absolutely was. Um, but I think that it. it a anime is a large umbrella, and if your umbrella includes both Spirited Away and Serial Experiment Lane and Paprika, like how useful is that category? Like if it covers all of those things, like so there's all such drastically different works. Yeah, um, and I so maybe it is worthwhile to to particularize yeah. what is anime. It, there's like a, there's Attack on Titan too, right? Which mm -hmm. people describe as an anime, but Attack on Titan's a South Korean. Oh, is it? I have no is idea. Content, isn't it? I have no idea. Yeah. I didn't look that up actually. Well, I, I think I thought it was Japanese. I thought it was Japanese too. But I, to yeah. your point, I think the the more clear, complicating, clear, complicating, but the, but the more obvious, complicating example here is Avatar, right? Because that yeah. that is an, an American-made show that looks like an anime, takes place in something that resembles a Japan, 
yeah. hits a lot of anime tropes. I've heard of the show, not the James Cameron. Not movie. the James right. Cameron. The Last Airbender. Yeah. The Last Airbender. Not yeah. the movie. The TV show. I <laughs> 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 have to be. But, but that is that is based on a, a serialized comic. Yeah. From Japan, a, a, right? a, a, is a it? manga. It's a manga. Oh, okay. Right? Well, I have no idea. I no, thought it was no, original actually, no. to the United States. Mm. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. I'm in a lot of territory that I like. To, <laughs> do not cannot speak to us. But whether or, whether yeah. or not it's inspired by yeah. a domestic or foreign comic, uh, the show is, is certainly is an American, American product. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That is doing everything it can to look not like an American product and <laughs> to look yeah. Japanese. Um, so is that anime? Right? Like, is Avatar anime? Does it, because it is not technically a product of a Japanese studio and Japanese filmmakers, does that disqualify it despite it looking exactly like many, many other anime out there and behaving like many other anime out there? Yeah. Hard to say. I don't know if there's a clear answer. Depends how strict you are about anime just being Japanese made animation. Right. Right. So, should that even be the most important category? Or should we say that maybe there's some, maybe we should be talking about more meaningful differences rather than something that would include both. You know, a paranoia agent and Dragon Ball Z, right? <laughs> like, yeah. That is, or maybe the, like yeah, the anime yeah. distinction may just not be necessary. Other, other than it has like there is a history to it, right? And and that it evolves out of manga and right. But if yeah. someone if someone tells yeah. you I like anime, what does that really tell you? About yeah, them? yeah, it's right. Like, because they could just be means they like like Japanese culture. <laughs> Maybe yeah. right? it could be it they could like, be that all encompassing. Yeah, yeah, it could be they like like yeah. Naruto or they like Perfect Blue, right? And yeah. It's like those are very different things and yeah. tell you a lot about their tastes in very different ways. Yeah. So it, it, it's almost the equivalent of somebody coming along and saying I like drama. Yeah. <laughs> right? like, I like movies. Right. Exactly. It tells or, you nothing about their tastes, really. Well, the the other distinction that you get though is that there is a certain type of anime fan. That's true. And if you <laughs> And there are good and bad aspects to it. And it, it is very much a turnoff to that type of media if you come from the outside. Yes. Because um, as soon as you say, like, oh, I'm into this anime show, like, you can be labeled as, like, a weirdo. Because, like, the audience is often, like, very odd, yeah. oddly obsessed with. Well, and, yeah. and very resistant yeah. to people entering that space yeah right they, they protect mm-hmm. it very closely which is not ex- at all exclusive that, to anime fans when i when i recommend yeah. um cowboy bebop to people i'm always really hesitant to describe it as an anime because i don't want people to just say like okay well not watching that <laughs> yeah. like, or listening to anything you ever and, say again. and i i i uh, didn't see it until you know the last few years for that exact same reason, because I was just like, what? I'm not going to watch this anime. <laughs> yeah, are, you, are you nuts? It's just yes. like the weird stuff. I've, I've talked to girls before. Yeah. <laughs> well, that, that's like, you know, the stuff that's on after the good shows on Adult Swim. Right. Uh, um, but uh, it's great. Cowboy Bebop is incredible. It's, yeah. it's one of the most like incredible shows I've ever seen. And um, yeah. so it's, it's, it's weird to recommend to people for that reason, because... Yeah, you're not wrong. Yeah. <laughs> you're, you're, Although, you're thankfully, that piece yeah. specifically seems well-known enough that like, you don't have to worry about that as much. It's still very niche. Um, yeah? Yeah. Okay, I just and hang out same with, with people. Same with Samurai Shampoo. Even more so, that show. Yeah. Yeah. Which, and, is, which is also incredible. Yeah. It, yeah. Yeah. Because uh, I, I grew up with, or I, I watched Cowboy Bebop when I first started in the United States. Yeah. Um, so that would have been, like, early 2000s or whatever it was. And it, it's such a great gateway show into anime. Right, because I started watching a lot more stuff after that, and a lot of it's good. Yes and no, it's yeah. so good though that like, yeah. when you watch everything else feels like a letdown. Yeah, else. yeah, and and there's a lot of anime on Netflix now, and I'm like, 
yeah, maybe it'll be good. And I'll like try it. And it's like, oh, this is garbage. Yeah, uh, and I think maybe the bar is set so high by that was uh, that was my journey. I think is that because yeah. I watched it in middle school or whatever, and I was like, oh, this is good. And I found other anime and other stuff that I really enjoyed. But it eventually became like maybe this will be as good as Cowboy Bebop, and it's like, no, it's not. No, no yeah, no, there's so not. few things. That <laughs> yeah, are. it's like it's all down of the things there. that I've watched, it's been just Samurai Champloo and. Cowboy Bebop, and they're made by the same same guy. Same guy. Yeah. So, well, that makes sense. Yes. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm still looking for another Cowboy Bebop, and yeah, yeah. Well, and part of it is that Cowboy Bebop was inten intentionally made for Western audiences. Like it was. I didn't know that. Yeah, it was consciously yeah. targeting Western audiences, and I think that that's why it is like the anime for people that don't really like anime that much. Yeah. Because um, it. It flows like uh, it's inspired by westerns, obviously. Yeah. Um, and it and sci-fi, and it flows like western shows do in that sense. Very traditional. Was that also made for in the second, late nineties? I think so. I have no idea. It was late nineties, early two thousands, right okay. around there. Yeah. yeah. So it, it probably took a year or two to get to the United States after it aired in in Japan, yeah. um, which is usually the pattern. Um, but yeah, I remember watching Samurai Champloo and getting to the end of the first season and being like, "Oh, okay. <laughs> All right, now I'm going to download the second season." <laughs> no, you're not. <laughs> it's just like, is that it? Yeah, it's one season. Yeah, it's oh, one oh, season, shit. and it's incredible. Yeah, Cowboy Bebop does yeah. the same thing, or it's one season. Um, yeah. I, I think they do it on purpose in Japan because so many shows just run for one year. I think Bebop's two seasons. No. Or it's like one really long it's season. One, it's it has 24 a, episodes. a lot of episodes. It's 24 episodes. Uh -huh. I think the Amer American might have divided it into a couple of seasons. Okay, maybe. But, and there's there's a movie as well. Yeah. yeah Did so. you ever see it? No, it's, it's, on, it's still on my it's list. Good. Yeah. It's good. It's like just a long episode. Someone recently people. reminded me that the movie exists, and I was like, oh shit, I need to like put this back. Yeah, because I think I, I told I still, you about it. I still haven't seen yes, Cowboy Bebop for full disclosure. You should. It's really yeah, good. I know. It's on Hulu. Yeah. You you would love it. It's I'm so sure would, up yeah. your alley. Yeah, really. Yeah, it's. I, I don't deny it. I just haven't gotten. It's around space to it. stuff. Yeah. Like, it's more exactly. Sci it's much more sci-fi yeah. than it is western. And it has yeah. like really, it's a really cool universe. The, yeah. Um, yeah, just it's awesome. Yeah, it's very point. Star Wars like. Yeah, that's yeah. true. Yeah, well, and yeah. it starts so strong. That first episode is, might be just the outright the best one, <laughs> and it's. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a great show. You should watch it. I'll get around to it. Um, in any event, uh, Princess Mononoke. Yeah. Uh, so any any closing thoughts on, on Princess Mononoke? We've tried to gotten far afield from <laughs> this specific piece of anime, it's, but yeah, it's let's, a we can bring it back complex home. and challenging film, but rewarding um, and, yeah. and very watchable. Like, I think you hear complex, challenging foreign animated movie, and you're like, okay, maybe not. But this movie, you can sit down and watch it, it and, it's, and it yeah. flows and makes sense. Um, so don't. It doesn't go quite away. as off the rails as Akira did. That's true. It's. I think that I. It's a more watchable movie than Akira, right? Yeah, it's it's more grounded. Yeah, and yeah. I think Akira yeah. is a more important movie. Like, yeah, I think you see its influence more. Um, but this is Princess Mononoke is probably an easier way into these kind of movies and yeah. easier to watch. I think there are friendlier Miyazaki. I, films. Spirited Away, oh, absolutely. Yeah. Spirit, or like Totoro. Um, yeah. or Totoro I watch Pon on repeat Ponzo as a kid. Something. Ponyo. Ponyo. Ponyo, yeah. Ponyo I've not seen yet. Yeah. yeah. That one's that was pretty cute. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah it looks like the, the fish, right? Yeah. Isn't there that looks like I Nemo. think Matt Damon is the voice. Oh it's <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> Fine. I mean he's in all Asian films, so yeah, right. He's he's basically <laughs> an honorary Asian at this yeah. point. <laughs> um, he okay. saved the Great Wall. He saved the Great Wall. Uh, yep, yeah, the the savior. <laughs> um, 
So in, in any event, um, I like this movie. I recommend it. I think it's good. Yeah, it's awesome. Um, and I think that if you like Miyazaki or anime at all, you've probably have seen it already. So, yeah. yeah. I, I feel like I'm the only one who hasn't seen it. Well, not anymore. It's just how it is. hadn't it. seen okay. it. Okay. Yes. Okay. Um, but yeah, it was great. Um, it would probably look really low on my list of uh, Miyazaki films, but they're all just that good. So like, it's not a condemnation, condemnation of its quality. It's, it's more like of Pixar. A, yeah. Yes. It's more of just how good all the Ghibli films are. Because like, above it, I'd probably put Porco Rosso, Totoro, Spirited Away. Sounds right. Um, I have a very positive memory of Nausicaa in the Valley of the Wind, but I haven't seen it recently enough to really appraise exactly where on the list it would go. Um, but I remember liking that one. Yeah, that's a beautiful movie. Yeah. <laughs> that's what I remember most clearly about that one. It's just one of the more striking yeah. and, and then, elegant movies that he's made. And there's a bunch that I haven't seen yet. Like, Charles, have you seen The Iron Giant? Um, I remember seeing parts of it as a kid, but I'm not sure if I ever sat down to just watch it through. Okay. We Noted. can put that on the list. That Noted. counts. That yeah. counts as a movie you haven't seen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, um, in any event, uh, we'll be back shortly with things we've seen. Thanks. We're back with things we've seen. We've filmed two episodes back to back. So Charles and I went last week. So Wilson's going to talk about the film that he's seen recently, uh, mm. which is setting up to be a good one. Yeah. So I got really lucky the other week. Um, the BAM Cinema in Brooklyn has a film festival every year. Um, and they announced their lineup about a month ago, and the opening night show was Sorry to Bother You. So I saw that. Um, if you haven't, aren't familiar with this movie, it has been getting a lot of buzz. It was a huge hit, I think, at TIFF, uh, where it premiered, or Sundance maybe. Um, and it was it's opening night at the BAM Cinema. So I go to buy my ticket. It sold out immediately. I say, bummer. I checked last Wednesday, which was the actual day it was showing, and there was one ticket available for some reason, <laughs> right in the middle, like a great seat, and so I snapped it up immediately and just went that night, um, having bought the ticket that morning. Turns out that that screening of the movie was also the New York premiere of the movie, Ooh. which I did not realize at the time that I bought the ticket, but does explain why the ticket was $30. Um, so the entire cast was there. Um, and the Damn. cast of this movie is... Lakeith Stanfield, who is the guy from the beginning of Get Out, the guy that says Get Out, <laughs> he's the lead. Um, Tessa Thompson, Terry Crews, Army Hammer, uh, Stephen Yuang, who I think was the guy from uh, Walking Dead, um, and oh, yeah. Glenn. I'm pretty sure it's Glenn. I might be misremembering. Don't, don't quote me on that. Okay. Um, and then the, the director, uh, Boots Riley, was there as well, um, and he gave his mm -hmm. little speech at the beginning. So, so if, if you're on Twitter and you say, like, Hey, I love this movie. Yeah. Oh, what's the name we're getting? Again? Sorry to bother you. Sorry to bother you. He's definitely searching for it because okay. I follow him on Twitter, and he'll just like like retweet anybody that says like love. <laughs> really? Sorry to bother you. Like, okay. I can't, did, can't wait for everybody else to see it. I so, did not say anything on so Twitter. So if you want to get your like Twitter out there, <laughs> yeah. Boots Riley will like quote. Tweet okay. You on I that. did love it though. Yeah. So I could I could tweet that and be honest about it. Um, yeah. Because it, it was a sold-out show, the audience was clearly into it. This is also the only screening of any movie I've ever been to where clapping made sense because the people that were in the movie were in the theater watching it with us. Yeah. Um, the premise of the film is that the lead character, uh, played by Lakeith Stanfield, is living in his uncle's garage with his girlfriend, Tessa Thompson. At the beginning of the movie, he is just being interviewed for a new job with a call center, um, which is just doing sales. Uh, that's where the title of the movie comes from, Sorry to Bother You. 
the movie is from there about his conflict between siding with the union organizers at his call center who want to organize this workspace and fight against the bosses for, you know, wages and benefits and things that unions want, and his emerging talent for being a salesman and moving up the ranks in this company. When you explain the movie like that, it sounds like a very conventional film, maybe even a realist film. It is not. This is one of the strangest movies I've seen in my life. <laughs> Certainly the strangest movies, I, one of the strangest movies I've seen in th this year or the past several years. It recalls Brazil in a lot of ways. There's a lot of absurdist imagery. There's this background company that eventually comes to the fore in the movie where called, um, I'm not going to remember it, but the premise is that you sign up to work with this place for life and you labor eight hours a day and they'll provide you a place to live and food and it's you know a prison that you sign up for voluntarily. And so there's a lot of a lot of theming in terms of capital. It's a, the most radical movie I've seen in a very long time. It takes a very aggressive stance opposing employers and bosses and the traditional wage structure. It is also about the seduction of capital and how easy it is to silently support the struggle while actually benefiting from the, the, the capitalist structure. The one major conceit is that this guy starts successfully selling whatever it is that he's selling when he starts using his white voice. And the white voice is just um, Patton Oswalt being dubbed over <laughs> the Philippe <laughs> 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 like Stanfield character. Um, it's it, Patton Oswalt and David Chase, because there's a few white voices in here. <laughs> and it's, it's uh, very amusing. The movie's also hilarious. It's a comedy. It plays like a comedy. It's very, very funny. Um, and it goes... And what I'm describing so far is really like the first third of the movie, because after that it really goes off the rails. Wild, crazy shit happens the whole time. It makes very few moves that you expect it to make and is beneficial for it. Um, I want to highlight Army Hammer. He plays the uh, Elon Musk equivalent <laughs> in this movie and is hilarious in that role. He really works as a villain, especially works as a villain in uh, this movie that's very concerned with, very obviously concerned with race because there's nobody whiter than Army Hammer. <laughs> and and uh, I, I think the, the Get Out comparisons are going to be obvious here. Features one of the same actors. It's a first-time black director that struggled for years and years to get this movie made. Um, he said at the his little speech at the beginning of the film that he first he finished the first version of the script in 2012, mm. and now here it is, the movie coming out in 2018. Um, I really can't recommend it strongly enough. It's certainly top, probably top two of the year for me so far, two or three, um, with first first reformed annihilation on this. Um, and yeah, it comes out July 6th, which in limited release, I think it gets a wider release after that. So it might even be available in theaters by the time this episode airs. But uh, yeah, the movie's called Sorry to Bother You. It was really, really good, um, really strange, and really challenging. You should go watch it. It's, yeah. it's on my list of things to see when, yeah. it, it's, when it's it, available. Yeah, it, well, it's been advertised heavily. Like, it's really it's hard to me curious. I've, I've seen the trailer a lot, and it seems to go a little further off the rails than I'd be interested in seeing, but I'm curious. Yeah, it, it went further off the rails than I anticipated, yeah. and I also saw those trailers, yeah. <laughs> and it appealed to me. So, yeah, expect something very strange to happen, and it, you'll still be surprised by this film. Um, so, yeah, I cannot, uh, cannot recommend it strongly enough, actually. Go, go see it. It's, All right. it's a good one. Cool.
Yeah. Uh, it's uh, your choice this week. So what are we watching? Yeah, so I watched a super weird movie recently that I just described. I want to stick with that theme and do Blue Velvet. So we're going to come back with some more David Lynch. Um, <laughs> Crossman just made a face. That is, that's a doozy. <laughs> that is a doozy. Um, so thank you for listening. Um, if you like the show, tell people about it. Um, and if you like Blue Velvet, come back next week because that's what we're watching. See you then.